listening to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, all you gearheads and car fiends, welcome to Driven Radio Show, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield, here with my late... Hey, <laughs> man's got to work. Got to put foods on the tables. Here with my co-host and engineer extraordinaire, Mr. Mark Gross. <laughs> How about that rain traffic? Hmm? Yeah, that made it even better. Good we times. are coming to you from the Driven Radio Studios where it's been raining so hard animals are looking for boats. <laughs> uh, do you have news, sir, on the collector car front? Oh, oh, uh, yeah, actually, this Saturday. And wait, wait, wait. What Mopar wonderful. Oh, well, it's are a, you looking at this week? It's a little bitty one. It's a 1968 Chrysler 300 convertible, uh, the type that's got the uh, the headlight covers that come up and down. Comes with a sun um, zip code. Oh, my God. Yeah, it does have air conditioning in it, which was a nice surprise. Uh, whether it works, but uh, uh, the top looks pretty new. If the top uh, goes up and down, then you got AC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you funny and uh it is just a brick and yeah. uh i'm I'm very excited about it and if it looks good i'm buying it uh we've already agreed on a price so i'm driving just what's under around, the hood uh 440 <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so that'll, that'll be some gallons per mile yeah it, i've been looking it up at uh 8.6 miles to the gallon wow on the and that's, that's the top worse side, than my maybe. stingray i didn't think that was possible oh <laughs> uh, you know it, it's pushing 4100 pounds so uh yeah that is a large car you know you take off a top and extra doors and it's still 4100 it's a it's a beast good lord and i like it uh fantastic if you want me to go with you i will appreciate it fingers crossed no wait i just lied i'm watching movies with ped and his wife <laughs> oh i knew it i knew ped would get first dibs that's he, all right I'm, I'm hanging out with a friend of mine friday night in columbia and then saturday morning he's gonna drive with me he, while my wife doesn't a he asked first b facetime me and walk the car and i will look at it oh, with you fair i have enough. no problem with that um i found a stray harley this week and it followed me home so i kept it another one yeah which one um, I, I did a repeat Mooglide. I bought another one. <laughs> I found one in Iowa that was way too cheap and is cl- cleaner, significantly cleaner than the one I had before. Oh, seriously? Because yeah. that thing was spotless. Uh, there is one nick on the whole. It's not even a nick. There's a little itty bitty tiny crack in the paint where the screw hole is for the passenger pillion. And when you put the passenger seat on, it's covered up. You don't see it. Anymore. Oh, and that's it. Well, I'm going to notice that it as is. soon as I walk out. Botless. You're going to need a screwdriver to notice. <laughs> You're going to need better glasses it's, is what I'm going to need. It's, it's kind of a bear to get off of there. <laughs> nice. But, uh, yeah, it followed me home, so I've officially uh, used up all the spare room in the garage. i got to start doing something. I would store one of them over at my daughter's house, but you ought to see how the kids treat that in the garage. No. That isn't going to happen. Uh-uh. Nope. Nuh-uh. Not no. nuh-uh. Thanks, no. <laughs> it would look good with crayons on it, but no. 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 That scares me. <laughs> hey, our special guests this week are Dave Kenny and Greg Ingold of the Haggerty Price Guide. Hey, a new price guide drop. Woohoo! Dave Kenny is a lifelong automobile enthusiast, collector, owner of automotive valuation firm U.S. Appraisal. He's contributor to the Haggerty Insider, publisher of the Haggerty Price Guide, and co-host of Haggerty's No Reserve podcast. Nice. And and he also serves on the McPherson College Advisory Board. 
Greg Ingold is an avid car enthusiast. He's a Pontiac fiend. God love you, Greg. <laughs> Honestly. He's a member of the Haggerty Valuation Team since 2014, contributed to Haggerty Media as well as Haggerty Insider, and editor of the Haggerty Price Guide. And he was a recent guest on the No Reserve podcast. If you haven't been listening to that, folks, you got to go find it. It is quality stuff through and through. It's a very deep insider look at the collector car market. And Dave and Greg do it really well. Dave usually has another co-host, but I think Greg ought to be on there a little bit more frequently. Greg, Dave, welcome back to Driven Radio. Hey, it's great to hear from you, Brett. Uh, good to see you, Mark. Everything here is uh, going well. How about with you guys? Oh, fantastic. Uh, fall is is afoot. It's a little rainy and cool today, but all the leaves are changing, and it's just pretty outside. Yeah, dig it. Great. For the uninitiated, please explain what the Haggerty Price Guide is when it is published, and uh, can you explain how you compile and analyze the information? Greg, you want to go first? Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. So Heritage Price Guide is uh, something that our friend Dave Kenny here founded back in 2006. And so it's a quarterly publication that uh, comes out uh, right at the beginning of uh, the quarter. And so which means that we are constantly looking at uh, the market and when one price guide wraps, we are right into the next one. So uh, it's uh, we take a lot of uh, data from what our cars buying and selling for at at auction. We have a uh, huge list of uh, collector car experts that we speak to every time around, and uh, of course, because Haggerty sells insurance, we have a lot of really good insurance data. So we have a pretty good. Uh, uh, finger on the pulse of what the uh, collector car market's doing. When you say things, you uh, take data from auctions. Should we assume that's also all of the online auctions? Oh yeah, so oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I spend way too much time on online auctions, and uh, so much so that uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't fund them with credit cards. I just go in there and and watch instead of uh, <laughs> become an active, uh, become an active bidder. There's so many surprising things. Although I did miss something a month and a half ago that I will never, ever, ever live down. So, Oh, no. Uh-oh. What's Studebaker? No, it was a helmet for a Bentley GT3R. Really? And it sold, and it sold for $550 on that logical place to sell a Bentley helmet, the MB Market, though it stands for Mercedes-Benz. Uh, <laughs> Why so, were they selling a Bentley helmet? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And it's like, it's killing me because I'd pay twice that for but uh, you know what the heck? And you have everything else that uh, GT3 are related to, so I, I can I've just got, imagine how watch, good you are. And and you don't even know this, but I bought the statue too. So <laughs> I've got statue, the, yeah, I got the little brass statue. It was like uh, you know, basically uh, you know, priced in gold but made in uh, brass would be the best way to describe it. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and the going back to the MB market, the only thing you ever see them sell aside from cars is there'll be 19 sets of AMG wheels on there and the occasional yeah. body kit. You never see other stuff on there. So when did the helmet go through? Cause that's one I watch. It's like a month and a half ago. And I, you know, I'm kind of surprised usually when something comes up on a Bentley GT three R, which is my, uh, you know, my muse, um, you know, somebody will, somebody will send me a link or something like that. And this time I missed it. And, uh, 
So I got in touch with him. I said, hey, can you get in touch with the owner and tell him somebody will buy it, you know, for more money? And they said, no, we don't do that. But I guess I can get in touch with him and say, hey, if uh, you put that thing up there, there's a guy who will pay twice what you paid for it just the, the first day out. Yeah, but I don't know. Well, I he's mean, probably you know, some, another GT3R owner. Uh, yeah, it could be. I don't know. You know, they, they made 50, I mean, sorry, 100 of the helmets. I should be able to find one somewhere. Mine didn't come with it. Uh, they also had a watch that came with the car, and I, I didn't get the watch from my car, but I bought a couple others. So who knows? <laughs> I love it. Oh, hey, where can we find the Haggerty Price Guide? Well, you can find it online by going to Haggerty.com and searching under Valuation Tools. Uh, it's free. You might have to register after you look at a couple of different cars. Uh, you can register with your email address, and uh, that unlocks everything there. Um, there's all kinds of tools and information. There's, you know, uh, articles about cars. Uh, it's definitely worth, uh, signing up for the Haggerty Insider as well. It's delivered every Sunday morning and, uh, you know, free stuff about cars. What's wrong with that? <laughs> if you were a Haggerty, Haggerty Drivers Club member, could you get all that stuff? Uh, there's more that you can get from, uh, from the Drivers Club. Plus you get the, uh, you know, the Haggerty Magazine. Uh, which is, you know, a very, very well done magazine. So really class act. I don't know why I'm still associated with them <laughs> when they're doing class acts like that, but uh, we'll see. Uh, I I would argue that they would be foolish not to have you. Oh, you so nice. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, we last talked at the end of July. It was just before Monterey Car Week and sales at Monterey put the spotlight on a softening collector car market. Total sales from the from all the auctions were down more than seventy five million dollars. That's not an insignificant amount of money. Uh, what would you say is driving the decline in sales prices? Was it that the market was just too hot for too long, or inflation, or interest rates, or are investors putting their money elsewhere? What do you think is driving the market right now? Your question had all the answers in it right there, so we don't <laughs> need to get farther. Uh, basically, interest rates are a big deal. Um, the era of free money is over, and uh, you know that was part of what was driving it. Um, also, uh, you know, just about everything you said. Plus, you know, it's a a cooling market is not a bad thing. There's no, there's no fire alarms going off. Mm -hmm. the, you know, some of the values that went up a lot during the pandemic have gone down. Some of them stayed up. It's, it's, you know, I used to see, used to say it was a bifurcated market and, you know, the expensive cars are selling, but the cheap cars aren't, or the cheap cars are selling, but the expensive cars aren't. There's so many marketplaces out there now. I mean, the, you know, everything Mopar is different than everything Chevrolet. And that used to be that, you know, Mopar and Chevrolet would move in the same market. It's a, and I, I'm just using that as an example. I mean, you can say uh, Triumphs and MGs. I mean, you know, there's there's so many specialty parts of the market now. It gets very very difficult to to make broad assessments of where the marketplace is. Wouldn't you agree, Greg? Yeah, yeah, I would. And really, just uh, looking at Monterey, that's our best snapshot of the top of the market. Where uh, you know our our best look at the top of the market comes in in Jan or in the uh, mid market comes in January. But I mean, really looking at Monterey, it it felt like 2015 all over again, where we had you know a best year ever in 2014. Some of the best cars came out of the woodwork, and and things went gangbusters, and then. 
2015 was really damn good, but it was not as good as 2014. And that's just kind of what this year felt like. I mean, it's worth pointing out that even though we're $75 million down in total sales, it's still the second best Monterey auction week that we've ever seen. Yeah, it absolutely was. Wow. Uh, for you two, were there blue chip surprises at Monterey, things that went way high or way low? Yeah, um, there were. I mean, uh, you know, it's, you know, Monterey seems like, uh, what, uh, four years ago, right, Greg? But um, yeah, uh, there are plenty of cars that we were talking about there. You know, at any auction, I, I have this theory that if you go to an auction and there's 200 cars there, there's going to be three cars that you can identify absolutely as selling too cheap. Three cars that you can uh, absolutely identify as spelling as as selling too high, and then you know maybe fifty cars that are on either side of that that you know might have been a good deal for somebody or you know whatever if you owned a paint shop this would have been a great car to buy because you could paint it and you know it's not going to cost you twenty five grand but you might get fifty grand more for it that sort of thing so I it's there's nothing unusual about that but. I would say that the the high dollar cars are still attracting a lot of interest. We've got a uh, uh, 250 GTO coming up, and not too terribly long. That'll be an interesting bellwether for the marketplace. Um, so uh, you know, I, I, there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be scared about. Um, you know, it might mean that your Dodge Dart Swinger is worth 350 dollars less, but uh, um, you know, you can change that investment by not buying new tires next year. So, of the things that I saw come out of Monterey and I've seen come from some of the sales both online and, and in person since then. The thing that strikes me as probably being the most out of line is small block mid-range horsepower Corvette, uh, mid-year Corvettes sell them for over a hundred grand. That's That just doesn't make any sense to me. And keep in mind, I have a vested interest in those things going for a lot of money. But yeah, yeah, it it really seems like that. That um, I mean, I don't think it's a recent phenomenon either. Like so, so it's, uh, it really seems like, you know, especially your sixty threes, sixty four, sixty fives. You know, kind of sixty four, sixty fives being kind of the the oddball years. Uh, those have gotten surprisingly more expensive. Um, but I mean, who knows? Like maybe people realize that uh, potentially the small block cars are a little bit uh, better to, to live with than the big block cars of, uh, you know, 65, 66, 67. But um, I don't know that that one's kind of stumped me as well. Well, I, I've got a partial answer. I think um, mm. with the uh, resto mod uh, mid-year cars selling for $300,000, I still, I'm, I'm having a really hard time saying that out loud, but uh, <laughs> with resto mod spelling, it says selling the money they are i think people realize there's some real value in those cars i'm a huge fan of the mid-year cars the generation two corvettes um always have been i've had you know maybe five or six of them in my lifetime uh i had a 427 67 with all the options on it and i hated it uh i'm a small block guy when it yeah. comes to that it's e easier to live with um but you know i mean i don't hate the car don't get me wrong but it was hard to hard to live with but well, anyhow, um, I think that's part of it. They're you know they're they're a cool looking car that uh, are, looks different than everything else on the road. Well, you can get a high horse small block, and they don't overheat or not right. nearly as much. Uh, they handle a lot better. They steer a lot better, and 
Dave, for guys our size, you fit in them. You yeah, f- you fit exactly. in them a hell of a lot better. Uh, keep in mind the first Corvette I ever had, and the one that I still have, is a solid axle that 1960. And hell, my my forehead is an inch and a half higher than the windshield is. Yeah, and you don't you don't fit in them very well. And speaking, <laughs> and you're not as tall as I am. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And speaking of 60 Corvettes and resto mods. Did you guys see the six hundred thousand dollars sixty Corvette resto mod come out of Barrett Jackson here not long ago? Yeah, I I saw that, but uh, I had to keep scrolling. I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I you know I get it. For there are a lot of people who like a car with the look of the sixties or seventies, uh, with the uh, you know with the the kind of bedrock performance of twenty twenty four. Sure. And uh, air conditioning that works and brakes that actually work and all that sort of stuff. So I, I get it, but six hundred thousand dollars seems like an awful lot of money. I mean, that's there's a lot of other things I could buy with that six hundred thousand, like maybe a small block for a hundred grand, and uh, I don't know a, uh, a vacation home somewhere. Yeah, yeah. There you go. A small I mean, island. Yeah, a, very, you know, a lake home in Missouri. How's that? <laughs> yeah. Well, or you you could uh, you could corner the market on GT three R helmets with that sort of money. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I could. I could buy them all. Oh, what a good idea! Wow, my new evil plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, the current quarter of the Haggerty price guide has dropped recently, and what were some of the biggest price drops for the last quarter? What what took a hit? Um, you know, I think the the one that's uh, most noticeable was uh, the VW Carmen Ghia. So. Um, you know, typically high production, low value, low-ish value cars. I mean, that's that's sort of a, an interesting term after the past three years. Um, but uh, those went down by about 16% on average. Wow. But yeah, which is a big drop for a high production car. But uh, my theory there is that uh, Carmen Gias and Beetles have been on kind of an astronomical rise for I guess what they are. I mean, they weren't, it wasn't that long ago that they were kind of the, the, the Miata. Like it's, it's the car that you, if you had pocket lint, uh, you know, amount of money, like you could go out and buy one. But um, yeah, I think it's, I think they are finding a little bit of equilibrium there. Like they went up too fast and what goes up must come down. And typically if it goes up fast, it goes back down fast as well. Yeah, there's a song for that, you know. <laughs> this is going to date me, and, and Dave and Mark can probably both relate to this. Uh, do you guys remember when you could buy a decent running bug without any rust on it for 500 bucks? Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely. Doesn't, it doesn't seem I like did. it was that long ago. I did, more than once. So, and the other interesting thing about Carmen Gias, and I, I had to research them a while back, and uh, I didn't realize this was the case, but it's one piece of metal from door to door all the way around the nose. There are no seams in them, and yeah. it's tough to find one that it hasn't had uh, some of that section because if you tap the nose, you got to replace the whole thing. Don't cry for me, Carmen Gia. <laughs> <laughs> that was part of the master plan. <laughs> uh-huh. So 
even in a softening market, there have been some unexpected jumps in value. Uh, what have you seen? What's going up right now, even in this market? Well, if you're into vintage wagons uh, and you own a 68 through 72 Vista Cruiser, um, you would be Ooh. really happy to hear that they went up by 30% this past quarter. 30%. 30%. That's a big jump. Station wagons. Station wagons. It, it is, but I think that the Vista Cruiser's got a lot going for it. I mean, it's it has that really neat roof that's kind of like the, the VW bus, you know, 21 window. So, I mean, it's got that going for it. Um, that 70s show, if you watched that back, uh, you know, not that long ago, well, it doesn't feel like all that long ago, but, um, yep, Vista Cruiser was a, was a focal point car. Um, but also, wagons have been on a tear the past few years. And this is one that just hasn't done much. So I really think that uh, they're just catching up to the rest of the hype. Um, you know, you've got Volvo 240s going up in value by leaps and bounds. You've had sporty wagons, you know, your um, Audi um, S-Series Avants and your CTSVs. Uh, those have all been hot. So, I mean, honestly, any wagon's a, a good car to have right now. And I think these just got ignored for too long. Greg doesn't want to admit what uh, one of the biggest uh, biggest movers in our uh, price guide last time was. Do you, Greg? <laughs> no. Why don't you tell them? How about the 55 to, six, uh, to 58 Studebaker president? Hey, oh, that's a cool car. 70%. What? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I think we did have a spate of some pretty nice ones sell, and I think that uh, – uh, you know, when a few nice ones get out there, it usually ticks the rest of them up a little bit. Um, you know, I always like to say this. I think if these cars were built by Lancia and said Lancia on them, the, uh, you know, the Italian car guys would just absolutely yeah. go crazy about them and we'd add a zero to their value even as it is. Um, they're beautiful cars. They have what would best be described in the 50s as European styling. Um, you know, uh, Raymond Lowy and a number of other people had their hands in a number of those cars, and they're just absolutely gorgeous. When you look at them, uh, there are models that don't have, yes, they have chrome on them, but they don't have, they're not laden and dipped in chrome like a lot of the other 50s cars. And they're different. When you go to a Cars and Coffee with one of these, you know, you can get a Speedster, uh, which is my favorite one, and uh, they come in great colors like lemon lime and all that sort of stuff. And, and they've become cross-generational so uh you know those kids these days even like them so there you are mm -hmm. how many of those can there be rolling around because you do not see them with any frequency no. no i you know you're absolutely right i'm sure in decrepitude states there's many 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 of them uh you know with that guy you know the guy i've got three of them and i'm just gonna get around to restoring them someday that uh -huh. guy um, but there are very, very few that have been restored and, uh, very, very few that have been done to, uh, you know, a show car standard and, and there's show stoppers, stoppers when, when they're done to, uh, you know, uh, all the nines. I mean, you know, the, you know, the, the old joke about the $200,000 restoration on the $30,000 car. I've seen a few of those and they're no longer $30,000 cars when they have those 200, uh, $200,000 restorations on them. But, you know, they're, they're absolute show stoppers at times. What else came up this quarter? Well, my favorite of all uh, is the Renault Fuego. Oh, you're um, kidding. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that one because that's uh, I was going straight for that one. I'm amazed any of those still exist. 
Well, I, I, will, I will tell you, um, I was at uh, Retromobile in Paris many years ago. And I told the story on uh, our No Reserve podcast, too. And I saw a pair of new old stock taillights for a Fuego. And I turned to my friend and I said, are there any of them out there? Haven't they all just rusted out? Aren't they all gone? But apparently not. So um, a few of them came up for sale and a few of them sold. And we've got a 57% increase on those. Now, sounds like a lot of money, but going from $800 to $1,700 is even more than that. uh, I mean, yes, really. I mean, it's in, in all reality, we, we did track a couple sales that uh, crested $10,000 and they were not perfect cars, but for a Fuego now, Let's you know before the uh, the listeners get their pitchforks out. We did not raise prices up to there. Um, those were a couple anomalies. But when you see prices like that, you know a ten thousand dollar Fuego, um, you, you can't sit on uh, those prices anymore. So Again, we had to I'm, do something. I'm amazed As, that any exist. Those things had the know. structural rigidity of a Budweiser can. <laughs> yeah, and a hundred ten horsepower that, I, pushing it. I think Budweiser might be uh, preparing a lawsuit uh, right now against you because uh, <laughs> they they would say their cans are stronger. Um, the uh, by the way, if you're from Michigan like Greg is, he always has to explain that Fuego is not pop. There's no grape Fuego. Um, you know. He, <laughs> Okay. Uh, am I right or am I right? Huh? <laughs> that thing had rear drum brakes on it, too, still. Hey, wait. My I, Corvette's I, got I, rear drum brakes on it. Yeah, but yours is in a little yeah, 80s POS. This no. thing, oh, my God. It's, oh, wow. It, it's everything I, wrong. I, I told this story, too, and I think it, it might be apocryphal. That means kind of a lie. But anyhow, uh, back in the day, a friend of mine who had a friend who worked at, uh, um, you know, for the federal government said that when they tested uh, crash tested one of these things at 35 miles an hour. Um, uh, the DOT called up uh, Renault and said, hey, guys, we have a problem. Our our uh, testing system failed, so you need to send over another one. And they did, and they got the same results. Apparently, a 35-mile-an-hour crash was unsurvivable. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Renault, Renault Fuego. So, crash hey, test dummy says, I'm not getting back in there. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't care what they're paying me. I'm not no. So, uh, uh, yeah, I don't think they had the best rest, uh, you know, reputation. But I will say, here's the thing: they're really pretty looking if you look at them. And if nobody tells you they're a Renault or Renault for those of us old enough, um, they they look like an Italian styled Italian design car. They're not crazy French. Um, they just have a really really nice look to them. So, you know, I I guess. And maybe yep. that's why they didn't sell here is because they weren't uh, crazy French enough. I think they went a little bit too subdued. Yeah, oh, that could be. could be. Yeah. I can't believe we just spent five minutes talking about one of 11 cars left in the United States. <laughs> 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 uh, there's multiples of those from the Studebaker president. Uh, yeah. You- when you're talking beanie, beanie baby money on these things, oh well, my God. Hey, dig them out. You said 57%, man. I can't believe that those are going up in value. But more than that, I can't believe they haven't all been relegated to rust. It, it's just, Well, uh, apparently there's some place in Central America that has a large magnet that pulls all the rust out of them. And that's <laughs> <laughs> it looks a lot like a Dodge Colt that uh, uh, yeah, it's a it's lot of itself. 
it, that same kind of mid eighties type of, uh, uh, without a wedge and without, you know, lots of wings and all that sort of stuff. So when I say mid eighties, don't think Miami vice, uh, think more like, uh, you know, Jacksonville vice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's got a killer Bose, uh, stereo. Unit uh, in it, yeah. Uh, uh, no, no. <laughs> all right. Give us a couple more. What went up? Um, well, another one uh, for those of you who are into muscle cars, uh, Pontiac Firebird formulas. Uh, and I'm specifically talking about the first couple years. Uh, the kind of the hot ones, those went up by a full 36%. So, so yeah, 70 wow. to 72, 73 in there? So, yeah, yeah. It's, in my opinion, the good-looking ones. I'm, I'm not much of a Bandit-era uh, guy myself. but um, No, you're more of a Rockford guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think he nailed it. Um, but anyways, so, I mean, these are essentially the gentleman's Trans Am. You could get one with a Ram Air or a 455 HO in them. And they used to be kind of a bargain to, you know, get your fix, uh, for Trans Am power. But, um, yeah, uh, there were a couple really strong showings of, uh, there were a couple 455 HO powered cars that, uh, Sold really, really well. Actually, one of them even sold for better than Trans Am money. So I, I think people are starting to wake up to them. So by what percentage? How far did they jump? Uh, they went up by 36%. That's impressive. It is. That's a ton. It is. Yeah, that's that can really represent a lot of money. Another one uh, was the, uh, the Buick Riviera, the 86 to 93. This is not the... Uh, this is not the boat tail car. This is after that. Okay. Um, they went up. They went up thirty percent, uh, straight thirty percent. Um, kind of a cool car. It's almost a forgotten car in a lot of ways. I mean, when you see one, is that? Uh, I guess that's the smaller most, body. That's when they downsized. Yes, yeah. uh, smaller yeah. body, three point eight liter V six transverse mounted. Kind of you know the the dark days of uh, late eighties GM uh, type power plant. And those jumped? Those yeah. jumped. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people looking for Malays area cars, and that that's out of the Malays era, but it's into the, uh, you know, the kind of Radwood 80s era. And they're luxurious. I mean, they're small and luxurious, oh, yeah. which is, um, you know, what uh, Lee Iacocca said we'll all be buying. And for a while, he was right. How far did they go up? 30%. Uh, 30%. 30%. Wow. That's significant, too. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, we've had some real, uh, some real big movers. So, I mean, you know, uh, it's it's probably. I mean, again, I think you, you know, and and Greg in his article about this pointed out, you can probably buy the nicest one on the planet for sub twenty thousand dollars, even with the thirty percent jump. So you might you might expect to pay ten thousand dollars for a clean one. So they're they're not expensive, um, and yeah, you know, we're checking out. That's not bad. So. What we had for for years from COVID is what could generally be described as a white hot market, and we're just now starting to cool. But you know we're coming down from an absolute peak. Are there still affordable classics to be had? And what lately has caught your eye? Listen, this is the buying season. I'm I'm labeling fall of uh, you know autumn of. Uh, uh, 2023, the buying season. There are some fantastic buys out there. How about things selling cheap on Bring a Trailer? Those, you know, those words have not been spoken in quite some time. So, uh, 
I mean, you know, you got to go look for it and you got to, you know, uh, you got to kind of focus in on what you're looking at. But there's there's been some spectacular buys out there on cars that, frankly, it's hard to explain why they sold so cheap. Um, you know, keep in mind, no one's no one's running for the doors. There's nobody. Uh, you know, the best way to describe it, you asked earlier, I don't think anybody's playing with anything but their own money. I don't think a lot of people are. I mean, there are people, but I don't think there are people borrowing money against their house. Uh, you know, at this point to, to buy a car. Um, so I think it's kind of a, you know, a steady as steady goes market. Um, but, but there's always going to be some good buys and I've just seen some great stuff, uh, you know, from Mazda Miatas all the way through to, uh, you know, American, uh, supercars that have sold cheaper than they should have. So, uh, um, I feel like, you know, the Mecham sale, uh, we were talking about this is, again, um, there was a, uh, a Lamborghini Giardo, um, spider, that sold for $86,000 at Mecham and um, also a uh, Porsche Cayenne uh, with the nice colors, uh, you know, uh, that kind of the Havana Brown, I guess is the color on the outside with tan leather. Uh, both of them had my, uh, well, actually the uh, Lamborghini only had 28,000 miles. The uh, Porsche had uh, uh, like a hundred thousand miles, but it sold for $5,500 sold for parts card price. So that's a, um, that's amazing because if you we own a Cayenne and it's got a little over a hundred thousand miles on it, the interiors wear like iron. As long as I'll you take you care sense. of them, they 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 look pretty current for a long time. They're kind of like uh, Mercedes convertibles, you know that they don't change very often, so they they look like a current car. And if you own one, even a base model, we've got a, a base model that's nicely optioned. It's a fantastic car. It, I can't yeah, believe for, that it sold for fifty five hundred bucks. Yeah, it, Mecham. It uh, uh, where was that? Uh, uh, was it Louisville? Um, Chattanooga. They just did Chattanooga. Chattanooga. Yeah, there you go. Um, but anyhow, you could. I mean, you could check that out. Uh, you know, when Greg and I had finished the podcast, I said for under hundred grand, you could start. You know, with the Lamborghini and the Porsche, you could start your own uh, D bag starter kit. <laughs> Uh, I'm a little surprised at a Gallardo under uh, under a hundred grand. Uh, There's more of it. This is not an unusual. I mean, it's not it's not normal, but yeah. And I mean, it was electric green, so it has the uh, look at me color. Uh, it's a spider, um, so uh, you know, even you and me would fit in it. Uh, and Greg, as a matter of fact, because he's a taller guy. But um, anyhow, I mean, that's a lot of car for the money. I don't know how bad it was, but at twenty one thousand miles, it's probably not a all worn out car. So, either of you, what would you be hunting right now? Oh, boy. Um, Greg, you know, Greg's it, running through all the Pontiacs in his head. <laughs> well, he's also, Hondas now. He's running yeah, Hondas now, yes. I, I am a, uh, I'm a convert. I kind of, uh, I've kind of came off the farm there. So, uh, I, I know you can ridicule me for that there. But, um, oh. Honestly, um, Dave found a fantastic, uh, what was it, a mid-80s Skyline GTS-X. So it's not like a, um, it's not, uh, you know, the it's not the desirable one, but uh, so, he found like a seven, it sold for under $7,000 and it was a nice example. So like some of these less uh, known Japanese imports, uh, you can still get a steal there and so, you can drive it as is and have it be interesting or you have a really good platform to modify pre r32 but still a skyline 
And mm-hmm. under yeah, seven it, grand? I think it was sixty five hundred on bring a trailer. Yeah. Uh, so you know, not not on some obscure website like you know, uh, uh, Brett's Bargains or something like that. Um, hey, hey, hey. Well, <laughs> trying to promote your new website. That's um, but uh, anyhow, um, and it was bought by a, you know a person sounds an awful lot like a JDM dealer. So I mean, somebody was paying attention. But I mean, that's parts car money. And yeah. if, the other thing is, if you had to import the car, you'd have to figure that three grand would be cheap to bring one of those from Japan to here after you you know hired the, an importer, gone through all the stuff you know, giving blood samples to the customs people and all that sort of stuff. Um, I mean, you know, anybody who's been through the process would say, yeah, bring it here for three grand, you know, and have the paperwork done and, and I'm all in. Well, you know, you know, for, for that times two, you could buy this uh, Skyline. And like I said, you get bragging rights everywhere you go. You can say, mm-hmm. yeah, I've got a Nissan Skyline. Well, if you had told people, if you tell somebody a month ago that, you could buy a por- a decent Porsche Cayenne and a decent Skyline for $12,000 combined. They'd have told you you were nuts. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, that's why mm-hmm. I say, you know, I mean, if you look, if you go to an auction and you're looking for a blue Mustang, the chances are you're going to come home empty handed. I mean, there might be two of them there, but one might be overpriced. The other might not be a car for you. But if you go and you say, Hey, I'm looking for something that would be a fun driver for a year, um, and I want to spend less than X. I mean, what would be wrong with? Okay, the Porsche could be expensive to fix, uh, but uh, you know, it, if it if it lasts for if it lasts for a year, it owes you nothing at fifty five hundred dollars. That's incredible. I'd really like to see that particular car. So, what do you think you would hang on to? What do you think has uh, future potential that hasn't been realized yet? Mm. Well, almost everything has its fan club right now, almost every car. Yeah. However, you know, there are contrarian buys out there. People don't like a car for whatever reason. Um, you know, my favorite contrarian car is, was, and remains a, uh, a Rolls-Royce Camargue. Um, they look like Impalas from 1976, <laughs> uh, um, which is, which is kind of funny because, uh, you know, somebody at Pin and Farina said, "I love the the Impala from uh, General Motors." So they, you're not kinda, wrong. I just never heard anybody describe it that way. And they kind of copied it, but it was astonishingly expensive car when it was new, uh, like the most expensive car you could buy. Uh, a good one is still out there, uh, a couple of them, and a bunch of really kind of nice ones have sold for the fifty five thousand dollar mark, and that's a lot of car for the money. You know, 15 years from now, I think they're going to be worth a lot of money. And it's contrarian buy. Um, uh, you know, there, there's a bunch of them out there. I, I would say instead of following the pack, follow what people don't like, because eventually they become uh, uh, collectible, too. So how about you, Greg? What will you grab and tuck away? Honestly, right now, trucks. Um, yeah, I think I've said it before, but uh, the OBS style GM trucks, I, I think that's one to hang on to right now. So I'm talking like the 88 through 99 style uh, Chevy and GMC pickups. I I have noticed that people my age remember those being like really good, solid trucks yeah. being utilitarian yet comfortable and they kind of look good. Uh, I think that uh, that if you have one and it's really good shape, 
hang on to it. And if it's sort of good, you might want to repaint it because I, I think that we will be witnessing a time in the next two to five years where those things we're going to look back and go, that's absurd. You know, the, the really hilarious thing about that is a woman who works for me, um, they have one in their family. She drove it to work today. And, you know, parking it out front, I'm sure that there are 10 people who drove by going, mental note, look, that car parks there. I wonder if that car's there all the time because I need to circle back and leave a note on the car because everywhere her son drives it and everywhere her son goes, you know, people are always, whenever they go into a gas station or, you know, repair shop, there's always the guy who goes, you know, I've been looking for a truck kind of like that, you know, trying to think if he can buy the thing for $2,500, which ain't going to happen yeah. uh, because she she does work for an automobile appraiser that I know. So, uh, you know, we're not going to let that happen. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's got it's got the right color. It's the GM gold uh, with the brown interior. So, uh, you know, the sweetness spot is right mm. there. Brown stripe. No stripes. No stripes. Oh, see, my grandfather had one in that exact color combination but it had a brown stripe that's that's really where it's at <laughs> greg now, if you want to buy it for 20 grand i'll paint a brown uh, brown stripe <laughs> oh thanks dave yeah well greg i th- i think you're missing it here uh when it was just a couple years old i had a 98 yukon white with tan on the bottom and yeah. custom wheels on it and I remember that being a really fantastic truck. It just never let me down. It never broke down. And unfortunately, it went with my first wife. But that's okay. It seemed like a good bargain. I've <laughs> I've, I've, had, um, I mean, speaking of Yukons, I've had a two-door Tahoe and a Blazer, you know, oh. full-size Blazer from, from that era, both of those. And... Looking back, yeah, there there was nothing left to keep. I, I drove them into the ground, but best vehicles I've ever owned. Yeah, they just hands down. They wouldn't die. They would not die. I think, uh, you know, Ford from ninety seven to two thousand three, and uh, GM, GMC, Chevy from uh, what was it ninety seven to ninety nine or no no no. It was 92 with that body style through 99, but the new engine came in 96. I think 96 mm-hmm. to 99 for GM and 97 <laughs> to 2003 for Ford. They really found their sweet spot. Yeah, the, the new engine from the 92 came in 96. The new interior came in 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the interiors from 92 to 95 really looked like your grandma's sofa. Velour, uh <laughs> Lots of sections to it, kind of fugly, um, and, and well, yeah, but I'm, god I'm awful looking speci- dash. I yeah, I'm talking specifically about the dashboard that never changed. It was like, yeah, the new GM, the new GM pickup trucks coming out. Go go take a look down at the dealership, and you no. open the door. It's like, no, no. come on. Well, I mean, I, I remember the the early ones. I mean, my first truck was a uh, 1988 uh, Chevy pickup. I'm sorry, in 89, and that, that dash was basically like somebody stuck a, a – the gauge cluster was like somebody stuck a box on on a dashboard, and yeah. that's all it was. And then my 92 Blazer, same damn thing. Yeah, I think that dash ran from 87 or 88 until 96 is when the new dash finally came in. And it wasn't, it wasn't much to write home about. That same radio was in vans trucks, luminas, 
Corvettes, Camaros, yeah, and, and yeah. possibly the Geo stuff. I think it was the same radio in every stinking car GM made. It was, yeah, it was in the it was in the Pontiacs. I know they probably you know put a put a dash of chrome around it for the uh, you know for the Cadillacs, but uh, uh, and not real chrome, not plastic chrome. Mm-hmm. No, 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 it was chrome tape. It was chrome tape. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Do you you think there's anything that's out there right now that's hit its uh, its apex? Uh, what would you sell if you had one? I, you know, I'm a big fan of getting rid of stuff from the 50s and 60s that you're not using, especially if it's a four-door. Uh, it's not that they're all going down in value, but there's just not as many buyers as there used to be. Uh, I also tell everybody, if you're not using it, sell it. I mean, I think that's yeah. the that's the number one key. Uh, if you if it no longer winds your watch, then it's time to get rid of it and get something else. And, and that's cool. I mean, I had a 73 Cougar and that I sold two, two and a half years ago. And I just wasn't using it. Every time I got in it, you know, somebody would say, hey, did you buy that when you're new? And I would say, go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it just wasn't me anymore. So, yeah. uh, you know, it was a great car. I loved it and everything else. But, uh, you know, I just was not using it because I wasn't having fun with it. So, yeah. Hey, don't feel bad. I've had some people who obviously can't math ask me if I bought my 60 Corvette new. And I, I have to look at him and say, how damn old do I look to you? I would have had to have been 16 and 60, man. I was born in, in 40. Come on, man. No. I know I got a lot of white hair on me, but not that much. Uh, by the way, Dave, how are you feeling about uh, 68 Chrysler 300 convertibles? You know, I had a 69. And, uh, you know, we people who had 69 Chryslers, we looked down on people with 68 Chryslers. No, I used to call it I used to call it the aircraft carrier. The thing was absolutely flat, except for, you know, when you had the top down, except for the uh, windshield, uh, you know, was the only design cue on it. It was a lot of fun to drive. I I actually, it's a great story. I I bought it for nothing. I bought it at an Auburn uh, cruise sale. That's how long ago I bought it. And it was a one-owner car, and it looked like crap. It was covered with dust, um, you know, missing a hubcap, uh, which was in the trunk, by the way. And I went through the uh, dashboard, and I found, you know, Bob James was the uh, uh, person on the original uh, uh, the original uh, owner's manual. And I went and looked at the paperwork, and it was estate of Bob James. So I knew it was, a, you know, a, I'm making the name of a one-owner car. And it had a little bit of rust in the rockers, which I fixed. I had so much fun with the car. It was the 440. It was the TNT motor, which Ooh. was the extra yeah. 18 horsepower or 12 horsepower or whatever it was. But it had the best feature of all. It was the bar, you know, make, uh, you know, have people buy you drinks car of all time. Because you opened it up and right up top, there was a silver canister that sat on the front of it. And I would bet people what it was. And no one ever guessed. It was a J.C. Whitney auxiliary oil uh, filter, and the oil filter medium was, I swear to God, a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't believe me, look it up. Have I, have, I have seen this. Um, our, our good friend Kyle Smith, all of us know him, uh, who works for Haggerty, he has sure. one of those units for his uh, Corvair. It's not in his Corvair, but I have seen it sitting on his shelf and he has had to explain to me why anybody would want that. And I, I still don't, I still don't get the well, benefits. I want to see that now. Oh the, my God. The one word, the one word explanation is cheap. 
That's why mm-hmm. somebody would do it because you're back in the Which day. Which makes sense for a Corvair. Yeah, but a real <laughs> oil filter would cost a dollar ninety-five. But you could get that roll of toilet paper, you know, you could seal it down at the truck stop. So I mean, you know, you didn't even have to pay for it. You can but, pick up uh, one of those on eBay for $150 right now. I'm looking at it. Oh, cool. And well, even I the think- son of a bitch says on the very top, tissue pack, T-I-S-S-U dash P-A-K oil filter. Is it like is it new old stock or what? Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Doesn't say anything about it being yeah new old stock. Please it's just don't an squeeze old the one. filter element. Uh, it's it's used, uh, fair condition. One of the wings. Of top so you're nut buying is used toilet paper. You realize? <laughs> 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 uh, you know, during the pandemic, I was damn close. <laughs> yeah, really? No kidding. I, I but, won't. Uh, uh, I won't tell you a- what Mark said about the pandemic and uh, toilet paper. We'll <laughs> save that for another conversation. <laughs> Really, really, but uh, I would say that uh, I would say that if you buy the '68, uh, you know, uh, uh, you definitely got to get that. So, uh, you know, a, peri- a period correct uh, accessory. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, I I love the car. I sold it at a uh, uh, an RM sale. I sold it for eighteen grand to a guy from Vermont who I knew, and then he sold it to a guy in Palm Springs, and about. Four years after I sold the car, I was in Palm Springs. A friend of mine had, you know, a garage space there. And all the garages there were people with cars. And I'm walking by another garage and I see this, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> brown, uh, you know, 69, uh, uh, 300. And I walk into the garage and meet the guy and he had bought it from the guy in Vermont. So oh I know the next two owners on the car. He still has the car. As a matter of fact, I forgot when I sold the car, I had a uh, Chrysler 300 keychain so i sold it i mean sold it i sent it to him sold it to him that would be cheap uh, so i sent it to him so now he has a uh, came with a roll of toilet paper yeah right aftermarket three. i'm pretty sure that's still on there i, I don't know i gotta check it greg you got a new honda civic a while back and i hear you've been uh making some changes to it of late uh what have you done to it and what was the result well um yeah, last winter I started on a journey of uh, modifying it, and uh, so it's, I wouldn't call it riced out, but it sure sounds like it, but uh, so it's got the full intake and exhaust treatment, uh, custom tune, so, you know, me fiddling with the laptop and the passenger seat, that that sort of thing, um, turned out really great. I put it on a dyno uh, a little bit later this summer, and uh Honestly, I was pretty impressed. Now it's a it's a Honda. It's not going to put down much power, uh, but uh, heck, it uh, it pulled all the way to eighty six hundred where it redlines. It was making power all the way up to redline. So cool. I was uh, pretty pleased with that. So. Very cool. I I when I watched uh, the No Reserve podcast with you and Dave, you two were talking about a nineteen ninety Honda CRX mm-hmm. and. Uh, whether or not it would be fun to drive. I owned a 1990 CRX. It was a laugh riot. The thing was an absolute ball to own. Is that a roller skate? I mean, it's yeah. just, just powered roller skated. It was what it is. They're fun as hell. Yeah, they barely had 100 horsepower, but that's all it needed because the car, yeah. I think they I think they were under 2,100 pounds. Oh, my God. God. They didn't weigh anything. Well, you got to remember, this is before impact uh bumpers and crumple zones and airbags and it didn't have any of that crap in it and And the thing got like 30 miles to the gallon too right oh it got 36 
It got 36 yeah, pretty point. consistently. And in town, there was nothing more fun. It was just point and shoot driving. I mean, it, it, it really <laughs> sounds like a Japanese Mini Cooper S. It was. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. was. And the real upside to that, it was only two seats. In the back, it had that big partial sh- parcel shelf, but that thing came apart. And you couldn't believe how much stuff you could get in the back of that little car. It would swallow an amazing amount of, of junk. And they so, were so, so a, much a fun. young Brett would do uh, beer runs with that keg runs. Uh, I will neither <laughs> confirm nor deny. <laughs> I probably ought to take the fifth. Uh, that was a fantastic car. The only bad time I ever had in it is I got stuck in an ice storm between Emporia and Oklahoma Oof. City, and that's got to be the scariest five hours of white knuckle driving oh, I've ever no, done in my yeah. life. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, you would. Uh... Uh, you would be crushed under an 18-wheeler, and they wouldn't even notice. Uh, no, no, no. If they ever got the trailer out of the dirt, you'd be stuck to it. <laughs> so, by the way, if you're taking the fifth, that means you're on an alcohol run instead of a beer run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very astute of you, sir. Uh, but yeah. as as far as those little CRXs were concerned, that was fantastic. It was one of the best cars I've ever owned. I didn't have it very long. I, I wish I still did. And when I see them come up on auction sites now, even with 110000 on them, I'm still thinking, I ought to grab that thing. Uh, 110000 is a new one. I see yeah. 300 and 400 on them. There's, but there's a reason for that. There's a yeah. reason for that. They never broke down. They're so light that, you know, a set of tires is going to last 50,000 miles, and so will a set of brake pads. Uh, sure. you, you don't wear things out with any frequency. They sip gas. They get close to 40 miles a gallon. They'll get over 30 in town. And as long as you just have to haul you and another person, it'll swallow everything you need to take with you. That hatchback has an astounding amount of cargo room under it. So they're fantastic little cars. And, yeah, they're a ball. If you have a chance to grab one, do it. Done. Okay. Dave, how are yeah. things in the Avanti world? Um, things seem to be uh, moving along, slow and steady. Uh, I haven't, uh, I have sold the car, but I'm not going to confirm to whom and how much. The R3? Uh, no, I have a tribute R3 that I sold, not not the real one. Okay, I believe the R3 Avanti is going to go with my estate. Uh, that's at least my plans. Hmm. Um, so um, you know, uh, it's a, uh, but. But, uh, you know, I mean, you're asking about the Avani market. It's uh, it's not exactly on fire at any time, but it's been nice to see some uh, some very nice cars sell for good money. And a few got away cheap. Uh, I'm, again, I'm so very happy for you that you finally got your R3. I know you've been looking for one forever, and I just think that's the coolest thing. Yeah, one of nine built. And, uh, you know, the, the thing is that it's so funny because, you know, you show up at a car show with an Avani and everybody goes, oh, an Avani. I remember those a guy down the street had one. And he was like, no, 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 he didn't have this one. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's one of nine and it's the high performance one that was uh, basically the Corvette Grand Sport was the only thing that could approach it in uh, 1963. 64 is a 64 build, but it was built in, I mean, uh, a 64 model year, but it was built in 1963. It's a hellaciously wonderful car, and I have the first one of nine. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to driving it next summer and uh, getting it on the road and having some fun with it. 
So very cool. Again, extremely happy for you. Thank you. We've been speaking with Dave Kenny and Greg Ingold of the Haggerty Price Guide. Uh, guys, I need you to tell everyone where they can find you online and on social media. But before you do that, folks, if you have not listened to the No Reserve podcast, you can find it on YouTube uh, on the Haggerty channel. It is definitely worth the listen. It is fantastic insider information into the collector car market. You would do yourselves wise to give that a listen. All right, guys, let us know where we can find you online and on social media. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty easy to find on Haggerty's media and on Haggerty Insider. I'm writing all the time, so uh, best place to find me is uh, is over there. Uh, typically, see something related to the car market or just a good overview of something that I'm uh, overly nerdy about. So, best place to find me is over there. Uh, same for me. You can find me on the Haggerty website and Haggerty Insider, Haggerty dot com. Um, also, uh, my 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 other business is I'm an appraiser, so you can find me at usappraisal.com. dot com. And um, don't bother finding me on too many social medias because I pretend like I actually have a life. No, what you need to do <laughs> is find Dave Kenny on Facebook. He posts the most absurd crap there is, and it's lots of funny stuff every day. No politics, no religion, just uh, funny stories, dad jokes, science jokes, and lots of pictures of my dog. Nice. Lots of pictures of Jack and good nerdy jokes. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Greg and Dave, thanks for being with us again. We look forward to talking to you when the next prize guide comes out. Thank you Thank so you. much, guys. Really appreciate it. It's always good to have Dave and Greg on the show. You get a very professional insight into what's going on in the collector car world, which is helpful to everybody. Yeah. Even guys like you <laughs> sounds like you're finally going to pull the trigger on the, on the Mopar and I'm thrilled for you. Thank you, Dave and Greg for being on. You always make the show easy and you know, you keep us all up to date. Yeah. I, I actually learn a lot. I may not say a whole lot during the interviews with them because the guys are just, you know, bam, 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 rolling it out. But I'm like, I'm practically taking notes. Did you look up the Studebaker president? Yeah, I did. That's a sexy car. You know, it's so funny because I looked at that up and then I'm like, that is so close to the Studebaker champion. It's really hard to tell well, the differences between the, the two. the Hawk and the Golden Hawk. Yeah. And there's a there's Well, the a Golden Hawk of... had that slightly different kind of square nose front end. But these two that he was talking about, at least from 55, the mid 50s, they both have that kind of low slung front end where it swoops down and yeah. it was exactly right about the kind of Euro style. But there's a lot of similar design features and cues you can see from one to another. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think you could get away with the champion at a few thousand less and, and still get a Yeah, get but a even, even at what it. they're going for, I don't think those presidents are going for tons of money. And for a guy who's used to looking at, you know, first and second, third gen Corvette prices and going, <laughs> you know, there's sweet Jeebus. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't kidding when I said what I said about seeing lots of mid year, especially 65 to 67 after the, the advent of disc brakes, which makes a yeah. huge difference in the cars, seeing lots of high horse mid year, uh, small blocks trading for around a hundred grand, Jesus, which is a lot of money. It is, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta be planning some, 
you got to be uh, squatting on some pretty tall cotton before that six figure <laughs> mark doesn't doesn't sound like a ton of jack to you. And it's a ton of jack to me. So yeah. very, um, I'm not mad that they're trading for that, but it sure makes it tough for me to uh, want to go out and horse trade anywhere. Now, as we sit here, uh, and this is true for both your family and my family, and since we're both empty nesters, the family consists of you and your spouse in your house. Right. Uh, for you, it's a couple of cats, and for us, it's a blind dog. <laughs> but the biggest holiday for both of us and both of our households is Halloween. Oh, dude, yeah. Love me some Halloween. Now, the fact that you write horror novels is a given. Halloween's <laughs> got to be the biggest thing. It's right up there. But for Rhonda and I, it was always a big deal for both of us. But it started with a love of crappy horror movies. <laughs> and they couldn't be good. They couldn't be really scary. They had yeah. to be crappy to the point of, oh, that's Kool-Aid and caro syrup. That's not blood. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Really excited that it, as we're recording here, it's a Tuesday night. The show posts on a Saturday, and that's yeah. how we do things. Uh, next Tuesday, we're going to back it off because next Tuesday is Halloween. Halloween, baby. And, you know, we don't have presents to unwrap, but we're going to be celebrating anyway. Uh -huh. And along those lines, you said you dug up a bunch of stories about haunted cars. There's like uh, at least four different. Now, if you go on the Internet, go on to Google. There's all kinds of them. But there's a few that I've heard of before mm -hmm. and have followed over the years. And, uh, you know, I've even tried to hunt down, by the way, the uh, Bonnie and Clyde death car. Which That's I'd, in a museum someplace. It's actually in a uh, in a casino. Is it? <laughs> oh, of course it is. And I called them, but... I swear to God, getting through to somebody there who will talk to you about well, it is really a Yeah, you call a casino, the they're going to have like a pre-recorded message. Come spend your money and check out our buffet. Well, I got through to a human. They're like, okay, I will leave the message. Yeah, you're not going to That's because I'm not a gambler. But uh, the I picked out five out of them of what I think are the uh, kind of cool, either haunted or just spooky history cars. Okay, hit me. And the first and foremost one. Uh, is uh, it, it claims to be the most evil car in America. It is, of course, a Mopar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come out of the gate with it's that. It's over by St. Louis. And, it's a 68. Yeah. <laughs> this is an ugly SOB. It's a 1964 Dodge 330. Ew. And it came to be known as the most evil car in America. It, supposedly, it has killed over a dozen people. You're kidding. Here's how it started out. It was bought paid for, and began as a police unit in Old Orchard Beach, Maine. Three different officers drove the car. Here's where it starts getting weird. Each one of those offers, oh, officers that, ended up committing hideous. a murder-suicide. And where they first... What? They murdered their own families and then killed themselves. And three officers did this, right? Wow. Who all drove this car. All the same thing. Uh, then the car was sold to an older guy who... Didn't have it for long. He sold it to a lady named Wendy Allen. Wait, 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 wait. Now, when you say each of these officers offed their family and yeah. then offed themselves, yes. how many people are we racking up in the three families? Uh, let's see. I think between the three of them, I'd have to look that up. It's somewhere around, you know, five, six people. So wow. we're talking. That's know, enough. Husband, That's kids. enough. Uh, sold The car was sold to an older dude who sold it to a lady named Wendy Allen. She knew about the history, but drove it. She didn't have any issues with it at all during the whole time that she owned it. Now, the funny thing about that. Who'd she clip? 
No. <laughs> Wendy, uh, although she tries to deny it, around that town for decades, she was known as a witch. Oh, really? Yeah, They and locally they called her the Sea Witch of Old Orchard Beach. Uh, the Sea Witch. <laughs> So she uh, does C stand for something? S E A baby. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I didn't even think about that. You, you said C witch. I'm yeah. thinking, wow, that's really rough. I dated a few of those. Um, uh, members of a local church. Check this out. She had it uh, for the long time. The C witch. Yes, the C witch. <laughs> <laughs> and when members of a local church finally got tired of the car's reputation, they went out and they vandalized it in an attempt to stop it from being used. And the car killed them all. Uh, well, story goes that many of those who vandalized the car ended up decapitated by an 18-wheeler truck in an accident that had a bunch of these church members in it. So now the, the vehicles are colluding. Yeah. <laughs> and one other member was struck by lightning of the people what that What they didn't to do know this. is Wendy had a twin sister who was a witch, too. Uh, <laughs> which which is which now there was an unconfirmed thing i couldn't find anything about this 2007 a child who supposedly touched the car went on to kill his entire family uh that i can't i can't confirm in amityville find. yeah <laughs> although it it adds lots of mystery now after that tragedy in 2010 the lo- local church members Hopefully a different church. Who knows? Maybe from Topeka. Uh, <laughs> we should be so lucky. God hates Mopars are on their signs outside of it as they walk yeah. around. <laughs> you know, as a guy who has protested in front of the Phelps family before. Oh, yeah. Uh, American Legion riders. We went and got in between them and a high school graduating class. And I was really happy to be there because there is no louder Harley than my soft tail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you said what? You've got hearing loss? Uh, <laughs> I I would have I given folding money to see a 64 330 just drive right through the middle of their crowd. I got a picture of me uh, in the parking lot, and I had a friend take it with my phone because in 2000, I think it was 2008, might have been 2010, they uh, came and protested the radio stations where I worked. And I was just like, oh, really? This is awesome. I, I, I'm really hoping it's because of Johnny Deere. No, uh, no, actually. No, they didn't like Johnny be? Deere. Well, because there was one thing worse on uh, 96.5 The Buzz. There was a morning show guy named, uh, not sl- not Slacker, I can't remember his what name. What man cow was it? Not Slim Fast. No, uh, God, I can't remember his name. But he was a young uh, blonde guy uh, who was gay. Okay, and? Well, that's what that church well, screw hates. them. You know, so, I, I know we're in the middle of haunted car stories, Yeah, but I'm going to say this and then I can be sued. Uh, <laughs> the the Phelps crew is living proof anal sex produces offspring, <laughs> period. They're, they're, they're a special breed, but uh, <laughs> they sure do have colorful signs. Yes, All they right, sure so, do. All right, so 2010, local church members stole the car. <laughs> and they chopped it into pieces and then... Uh, distributed it to multiple junkyards. Wow, really? So, yeah, they actually broke the car apart and and set it off and were never caught. This is Christine-level crap. I know, right? Right. Oh, um, as a quick aside, and you can cut this out if you want to, but don't. Uh, <laughs> do you remember an old movie called My Science Project? Yes. Kid in it's got a badass GTO, and they find some kind of alien time machine thing. In the movie... The guy who is the protagonist 
is the guy who was Arnie's friend in the Christine movie. And they even make a joke about a haunted Plymouth. Oh, that's too funny. It's fantastic. I nice. really liked And I just watched that last night. Um, if you're, get your warm-up game. Yeah, yeah you, you know. You can't find it anywhere except on YouTube. Pre-gaming for uh, Halloween. Absolutely. The next one's a 1968 Volkswagen van. Now, you know. A no, boogie van? Yeah, a boogie van. No big deal. Uh, Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures on the Travel Channel now owns it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he bought it. Uh, because of the reputation, this little van toured the country the and the guy drive guy. Yeah, I, I think I can. I think I can. You're going to die. You're going to die. <laughs> Dr. Jack Kevorkian was behind oh, the wheel. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing For pictures. anyone who's not old enough or not aware that Kevor- Jack Kevorkian created a uh, a suicide machine. And I, actually, it was kind of a blessing for people who were in horrible situations. They had terminal it, diseases. Terminal diseases. And there's no hope for them. And they're in immense pain. And Kevorkian would come and help you he would take yourself out of the gene pool. All you had, you had, you know, pull the lever and then the boop de boops went on their way. During his career, it's believed he helped uh, nearly 130 patients uh, move on out of their pain often inside this 1968 Volkswagen bus. Uh, he passed away in 2011 and left his VW oh, behind. there's a picture of it. God, what a crap wagon. He sold it to a parts yard in, in 1990s, or it got sold to a parts yard in 1997 for $150. And the Vans odometer, it's around 118000 might be 218000 because it only had the five yeah, Kevorkian uh, must have numbers. been the poorest doctor anybody's ever known. What a crap trap <laughs> that thing is. I, I think that it didn't draw attention is what it did, which is really what he needed. And it had plenty of room for the, the curtains to go over the windows. Yeah, it looks like someplace to go. And this baggage guy plans to use it for a, a, the van for a future paranormal project, of course. Oh, that's because, just creepy to think about. Isn't it? Isn't <laughs> it? Uh, yeah, that, that's not, uh, hey, hey, we're the sunshine. Uh, James Dean's Porsche. Oh, yeah, that thing... Uh, and the the story is, or at least the story has been, that the thing is impossible to locate. That that little Porsche 550 Spider is supposed to be tough to locate, but on Bring a Trailer last year or year before, the transaxle that was oh yeah, was yeah. part of it sold. For an inordinate amount of money, for like a, a ton of jack. Well, there were two parts uh, of the drivetrain that were sold to a couple of doctors, and we'll get into we'll get into that. So uh, James Dean was racing. Uh, most people know about this this Porsche. It was in Salinas, California. Lost control, uh, killed him, uh, and badly, seriously injured his passenger. Now, uh, whether or not the curse was present that day, it came to life after the wreck. George Barris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the first one to buy it. He got control of the Rex Spider, began to sell parts of it to other vehicles. Uh, and I guess the car didn't like that because he sold the engine and drivetrain to two doctors. Mm-hmm. They outfitted each of them into two of their vehicles and entered a race in uh, Panoma, California. And while racing, both of the doctors crashed the cars and one of them died. Jesus and then we move on to, after a while, Bear started to put some stock into the curse. He donated the car to the California Highway Patrol, the chips. Nice. So they could use it as an example of what not to exactly. do. Exactly. They would take the famous car. They had plans for warning to reckless drivers. Uh, the problem is, might have been a warning to reckless owners because the first place the CHP stored the car was in a garage. That burnt down. <laughs> only, guess what was the only thing that survived? 
uh-huh. the wreckage. Now, what you didn't mention is James Dean had a nickname for the car. Oh. It was called the Little Bastard. <laughs> it was painted across the back. You can find pictures of it. It's That's exactly what he called it. And I found the article two years ago, James Dean's infamous Little Bastard Porsche Transaxle sells, are you sitting down, for $382,000. God. So, you know, a nice starter home in some parts of the country. <laughs> for a transaxle. For a transaxle. Nice. Uh, the CHP, um, the burnt down, but they got the stuff. So they started taking it out, took it to high schools, visual aid for the dangers of reckless driving on route to one school car broke loose from the truck, hauling it crashed into another vehicle, <laughs> causing a fatal accident. Oh my God. If at first you don't succeed or second, try again. CHP took the car to another school. If, it fell on a student and broke his hip. If at first you don't succeed, kill, kill again. The spider fell off the trailer and carried that carried it three times, crushing a truck driver once. So, haven't you guys ever heard of ratchet straps? <laughs> two thieves tried to steal the blood-stained seats and steering wheel from the wreck. Uh, and Instead, they got seriously injured, spent time in hospital. And where is it now? Whatever's left of it, uh, who knows where that transaxle is? Uh, I, well, guess you, you can take f- a wild guess. Zach uh, Zach Baggins. <laughs> he bought it. He put it. In the it's band. in his haunted stuff museum. <laughs> okay, next up is Bonnie and Clyde's V8, uh, the uh, their death oh, car, the Ford. Ford. And um, I, I hats off to my my uh, brother. God bless you up in heaven, bro, and my sister in law who uh, used to do reenactments. He was Clyde. She played Bonnie. He was real tall. She was real short. And uh, he used to love going out and do that because a friend of his had a, uh, and the guy who ran the show had a legal Tommy gun. Oh, really? My brother used to just burn uh, blanks through. He loved it. Just, bam, 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 bam. Yeah, it's FD, FBI approved. So did your brother have an inordinate amount of knowledge about Bonnie and Clyde? Yeah, he was uh, pretty aware because they would do these shows and then would go out and talk to people about the history up in Coffeyville, Kansas, where they robbed a bank. Uh, my brother and his wife lived in the Dallas area, and they used to do performances all around there and out to Tyler, or I think it was Tyler, Texas, and various places all up and down because that was kind of the corridor between Dallas area up through Joplin and into the Kansas City, and I think even into Nebraska, where these bastards were uh, robbing people and killing them. So uh, Clyde Barrow liked that V8 Ford so much. He wrote, he wrote a Henry letter Ford a letter telling him what a great car it was. <laughs> These uh, notorious gun-toting, <gasps> citizen-murdering lovers you in the 1930s. Wrong. Yeah, that transaxle sold to, sold to Zach Baggins. Yeah, I thought you were messing with me. No. Oh, holy crap. Sorry. (laughs) Back to Bonnie and Clyde. (laughs) So they were glamorized movies and were considered pseudo-folk heroes by, you know, emotionally stunted, unwashed morons. Oh, wow. Uh, When they were killed, it was believed they'd committed 13 murders along with the various robberies and countless burglaries. All right. So we know that they're a-holes and they're murderers. FBI tracked down Bonnie and Clyde in Louisiana in 1934. And as the couple drove up, and I've I've watched the the reenactments, including the original... um, uh, uh, sheriff and et cetera that were in it. It's pretty amazing. Uh, well, amazing that they were able to sit there that long in that heat and wait till these guys came in. They drove up. The agents opened fire 167 rounds. Yeah. Uh, and, were, and two were of them were Texas Rangers. One of them was Frank Hamer. And the other guy's name escapes me for the moment. 
And there's a movie on Netflix yes. about him starring uh, Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson. And it's called The Highwaymen. And, and it's, it's really good. Yeah, it's, it's very, really very good. good. So that, uh, that stopped them. Now, curious onlookers ran to the scene. They tried to get pieces of the car. They tried to get pieces oh, of Bonnie and Clyde. One dude was uh, reaching in, trying to cut off Clyde's ear and trigger finger. How ghoulish do you have to be? They're a hot mess. Now, in the bloody scene may have inspired the famous name, the Bonnie and Clyde death car pistols, machine guns, rounds of ammunition were found in the back seat. Uh, to prove the couple was really dead, their bodies were put out on display, which attracted tens of thousands of visitors. Oh, there is, you know, newsreel footage of it, and it's just, it, they they were as big as, you know, the Shah of Iran when it took the people trying to grab on those bodies. That is disgusting. Stolen car was reportedly returned to the original owner, who promptly sold it. From there, it went on a, on a journey. It was in uh, touring carnivals, went to fairs, went to racetracks, and more. Um the car eventually ended up to Whiskey Pete's Prim Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, they bought it for $250,000, and the car has 112 bullet holes in it, the original car. Wow. So the real one, if you want to see it, uh, they do loan it out occasionally to, like, the FBI did it some special like presentation. On wheels. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, it looks like something that I would end up buying uh, <laughs> at my budget. <laughs> Does it run? F it. It's, it. it's got a lot of good uh, ventilation. Oh, it's a Ford. We can swap it. And then the last one that uh, I'll just toss out here because it still exists and it's in the museum. Uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand's Graf and Stiff Death oh, Limo. the one that set off World War One. Yeah, the one he and his wife were sitting in when some jackass uh, anarchist ran up and, and popped some caps in their heads. And... Um, the uh let's see da, 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 da. let me get through this real fast i i, I was editing in a hurry that's part of the reason why well, i was late their, tonight i'm like oh my driver God, go, go, was go. armed but his pistol was in a side holster that had a flap on it and the flap was tied down and he could not get his pistol out soon enough to be able to defend the archduke yeah and it was just weird how it happened because they'd happened to stop in traffic and one of the would-be assassins walked out of a cafe, saw them sitting in front of him in the open-air lim limo. Oh, the open-air limo had stalled. Sorry. And they were, bam, shot through their heads and throats. Okay. Throughout the war and into the 20s, the limo was owned by 15 different people involved in six accidents, 13 deaths. You're kidding. For one freaking car. Yeah, if you don't count the 17 million in World War I. Uh, the first person to own the car after the Archduke was an Austrian general named uh, and I, my apologies, uh, Podiorek, Posiorek, Potiorek, Austrian. Uh, I, I don't, I cannot, I can't say the name. Add, add a fake accent to yeah. it. You'll probably get close. <laughs> That's close enough. He went insane while riding in the car through Vienna. Uh, it took four accidents yeah, and the sure loss of an arm. I'm sure he was perfect when he got in there. Oh, uh, yeah, he was feeling great. <laughs> Governor of Yugoslavia bought, Yugoslavia bought it next. He had four accidents and lost an arm. So he sold it to a surgeon friend who died six months later in a crash. Was, was the surgeon the guy who stitched his arm back yeah. on? <laughs> and then next, a captain. Here, let me give you a hand with that. Captain in the German army died while trying to avoid two pedestrians. <laughs> Fortunately, all three of them were killed. Jesus. And uh, then more car accidents and suicides of owners would go to claim several more lives until 1926 when it ended up in the War History Museum of Vienna. Oh my so Lord. if you think about it, this is in 1926 when it went into there 
And the war started, what, 1914, 1915? It was 14, so it took 12 years for them to take this sucker off the road. Yeah, because its reputation was murderous. Unbelievable. So those, those are the cars that I picked out. There are, you know, several others, blah, blah, blah. But these are the ones that, historically speaking, uh, have a lot of heft to their about them. So having owned about 40 cars in my lifetime. I know my dad's going to hear this and just die. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pop, it's been 40. Um, none of my cars have killed anybody, best of my knowledge, but uh, I bet it's some of them have scared people nearly to death. Uh, I know this for a fact. I was one of them. Yeah, so. The way I drove that Plymouth when I was a kid, I should have died. <laughs> oh, I, I have a Camaro. I've been out of high school since 1980. Oh, the Berlinetta? I, I had a Camaro that people come up to me even now. You know, I still live in this. I, I live in the same town where I went to school and I'll bump into friends from way back when who will tell me stories about my car. I'm like, I don't even remember it, you know. So, yeah, we did. We did every dumb thing <laughs> we could think of in that car. Tempting fate. Oh, yeah. yeah. Daring God. Come on, I dare you. <laughs> and God must have just been looking at me. It, I have some other purpose in life. I yeah. have to, because he's had way too many opportunities to go, pink. Yeah, just to kind of pluck you right out of that. Yeah. And, and it would pool. look like a perfectly reasonable accident. <laughs> Amazing that I'm still here. Well, there you go. There's our uh, true car stories that you can take along with you and wishing you all very happy. Oh, Halloween. thank you for those. Those are fantastic. And everybody, we hope you have a fantastic Halloween. Like I said, for Mark and I, this is our favorite holiday. Woo! Get out there, go to haunted houses, trick or treat, go to costume parties, enjoy yourself. We hope you have a fantastic weekend and a great Halloween. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. If you have a story you would like to hear or a story you'd like to tell, you can contact me at brett at drivenradioshow.com. You can also find us online at drivenradioshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And the last few weeks I've been posting on Instagram. I finally caved and started doing it. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. Call the papers. Did you put up some uh, recipes and maybe some pictures of your, you know, your cat? And no, I, and I haven't what done you had that. for breakfast. Um, I've been thinking about putting up pictures of my little blind dog because when, oh, she's yeah. a, when she's asleep, she has a tendency to kind of do the question mark thing where she's bent in half and got her legs in the air and it makes me giggle. <laughs> Thanks for getting me off track. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and on LinkedIn as the Driven Radio Show Podcast. You can also listen anywhere, find podcasts, or heard. I am Brett Hatfield from Mark L. Groves. Yo. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio.